Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? The following is a breaking hot take from the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. And yes, we are back. Kiddos, how you doing? Ian J. Malone here, joined in just a second by my buddy Dave Daniels. So, all right, full disclosure, we were kind of on the fence when we did our last podcast about whether or not we would do a hot take on Mandalorian. We knew it'd be good because it's the Mandalorian, and I mean, they don't do bad on the Mandalorian. We could not, however, have prepared for what we got. In my case, at 6 a.m. this morning when I got up and poured my first cup of coffee and sat down with the missus to watch it, I was completely blown away. And I posted a thing on social media to the guys that they needed to get on it and by all means avoid Twitter until they had. And they had, and they agreed, at least Dave did anyhow. Scott's busy tonight. But Dave agreed we needed to have ourselves a show real quick to talk about this. So without further ado, which is apparently, according to Dave, is one of my favorite phrases, I will bring in said Mr. Daniels. How are you, sir? How are we doing this evening? I will be the further ado. <laughs> the further ad- <laughs> you, you are the further ado. Adieu. I will be adieu. the further ado, sir. I do indeed. Doing well, sir. Doing very well. How about you? I'm hanging in there, man. Happy it's the weekend. I am now officially on vacation, which makes me very oh. happy. I don't have to open up my work laptop for the next two weeks and see nice. uh, direct messages on Twitter from dudes named Bog Wang. So uh, uh-huh. that was a real DM I got this week at my day job Twitter account. Fog Wang, ladies and gentlemen. I like that's totally going in a book. I'm writing that somewhere. That's awesome. I mean, I, I could completely make a joke here, but I don't think it would be appropriate for the audience. So we're okay. I'll, I'll make that later on, and we can we can make some determinations later. With a name like Fog Wang, how can you not? All right, back to the matter <laughs> at hand. Mandalorian, dude. Uh, woo. Goosebumps. I mean, where to even begin on this one? In case, folks, just in case you haven't picked up on this, a lot of spoilers coming up. So if you haven't watched this episode yet, you really need to hit the pause button and save this episode until you have. All right, now that we got that out of the way, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, turn back now. Ah, let's get to it. Uh, 30,000 feet, bird's eye, first impressions, go. Oh, man. Uh, well, it just action. When you... When they when they they go in they hit it and it's just bam like here's the plan we're going to it I looked and they just got into the ship and I'm like huh there's like forty minutes of this left and there this is gonna be action packed sir yeah and it it was it did not disappoint whatsoever it was it was just balls to the wall straight to it loved every minute of that it was it was amazing I, it really was I. I Better than expected, and I don't know how many times we can say that about the Mandalorian. Yeah, better than expected. Uh, I am doffing the cap uh, to, uh, to to Favreau and Filoni on this one. I yeah, I'm I'm gonna kind of dovetail right off of that, and I just want to say thanks to John Favreau and Dave Filoni, if you gentlemen are listening. Uh, to thank you for giving me back Star Wars. All right, what happened in this episode? I've waited thirty years to see. All right, and I thought that I was going to get it in the sequel trilogy and they completely crapped all over it. And by it, I'm talking about Luke Skywalker people. All right. That scene at the end of this episode, when he shows up wielding that lightsaber, we've waited since was 83, 84 return of the Jedi. We have waited to see that. And they screwed us in the sequel trilogy by giving us what we got, which was a crotchety old fart that wasn't Luke Skywalker. Um, I get it that it served their story to tell it that way. I just didn't like that story. You know, to borrow a line from our good friend Nick Maley, who came on the show, a uh, former creature creator from Empire Strikes Back, we want to see our heroes be heroic. We waited 
30 years to see Luke Skywalker in full form at full power as a full-blown Jedi Knight. We finally got it in the Mandalorian Chapter 16, The Rescue. And I could not be happier about it. This, for me, was like watching in the hallway scene from Rogue One. Oh, yeah. And they channeled the crap out of that, too. It was all over social media. Everybody picked up on that. But it just it was it was that moment of you knew they were good. You saw what happened in the prequels and what the Jedi were, and then you saw what Luke became. It just amazing. I, I'm it just it really was. Uh, you know the the line the line that killed me in that was oh one X wing we're saved. Yeah, and it was like all right there it is. <laughs> I just, when, it, it was. when did you I, know, I know it was I, him? When did you know it was oh, yeah. him? When did I know it was him? Yeah, when did you know it was him? Uh, You know, you and I discussed this a little bit earlier. We talked about, um, I I had the timeline a little off on that part of it, and I didn't know what they were trying to pull, and then I I looked at it, and it wasn't until uh, until he he pulled back the the hood that I was like, okay, well, that is is definitely, uh, (laughs) that's a Skywalker right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had my suspicions from one X-Wing only because they established in the sequel trilogy that he still had his X-Wing laying around. Buried in the swamp, but because um, that's not familiar. But, uh, you know, but but he still had his original Rogue 5, Red 5, whatever it was, X-Wing. And uh, so when I saw one X-Wing, I was like, nah, probably not. They've, they've given us X-Wings in this show before. Not sure what that is. Then you saw the person in the cowl, and I was like, Okay, uh, all right, now we're getting somewhere. So not an X-Wing pilot. Then you saw the green lightsaber, and I was like, Ezra Bridger had a green lightsaber the last time we saw him in Star Wars Rebels. He certainly moved like this, fought like this. It, it, you know, at what point are we, what are we doing here? And then when I got it, just before he pulled back the hood, <clears throat> you saw that one hand was bare and one hand had a black glove. I was like, it's money, baby. It's money. So, uh, and, and then he pulls back the hood. They've got the, the CGI de-aged Mark Hamill, a la like they did with Carrie Fisher and um, Tarkin, Grandma Tarkin in, uh, in Rogue One. And it was perfect. It was, it was, like I said from the top, man, it was everything I wanted Luke Skywalker at this stage in his life to be. You know, not, not you know, pansy waist Luke from New Hope, not the Luke with training wheels in Empire Strikes Back. Not even the Luke who faced off against Jed, uh, faced off against Vader on Death Star 2. I wanted the guy who spent the last five years honing his skills, getting deeper and stronger into the Force, and to see what that looked like. And you nailed it when you said the Vader hallway scene. You know, we, we all walked out of the theater going, that is, that is Darth freaking Vader in his prime. That's what he looks like. That is what we got from Luke Skywalker in this scene on Mandalorian. So uh gonna be interesting to see what they do with that moving forward. What what you know, odds one one to ten. Okay, ten being it's gonna happen, one being probably never again. Uh what what do you rate the odds that he comes back or that they do more with that character? I don't think they will. Okay. Uh, I mean I, I think that uh that they're gonna move in a different different way with that storyline. There's really not there's nothing in the lore that really talks about what the Jedi did at that point or what Luke went through. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a clean slate, so you could kind of look at it both ways. I really think that they're trying to tell a new story, a different story. Right. 
hey, let's let's hit those high notes. Let's let's bring in the nostalgia. Let's let's you know add a little bit more to the Skywalker lore because I mean, hell, if I'm if I'm them, and I've been given carte blanche, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip my toes in whatever pool I can, just because one, they just tell a fantastic story, and two, you get to tell a Luke Skywalker story. You yeah, get to no be doubt. part of the Skywalker saga. So hey, why not? Um, but you also want to forge your own path, and quite honestly, they have done a very good job of forging their path, telling their story, hitting enough of those nostalgia notes to really feed us what we want, give us a little more, and keep us wanting more. Yep. No, I wholly agree. So kind of spinning off of that, a little bit away from Luke Skywalker, let's get back to what has really kind of been you know, the, the main thrust of the show, which is the quest to get Baby Yoda to the Jedi. Um, we've done that now, you know, which kind of begs the question, what is going to become of baby Yoda? All right. Clearly we are moving toward the reclamation of Mandalore. All right. That is what we are obviously on a collision course to get is we're going back to Mandalore and you know, we're going to find out what becomes of the Mandalorian people. Um, but baby Yoda, I mean, they don't call it the baby Yoda show for nothing. He's now off going to be trained with none other than Luke Skywalker himself. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they handle that. I, I don't foresee a scenario whereby Baby Yoda's just off the show and, okay, we've wrapped up that arc and now we're going to concentrate solely on Mando and, and call it a day. I mean, I guess they could go that route, but, uh, but I, I don't know that they can. I also don't know that they can, I mean, listen, we all know from, from you know, Last Jedi what became of Luke Skywalker's Jedi Order. So, you know, now, to some degree, you're going to have to explain to the fans was... You know, was Grogu there? All right, was he a part of that? Um, or, you know, was Grogu the student that maybe convinces Luke to then launch the Jedi Order, uh, the try and resurrect the Jedi Order, at which case, you know, he wouldn't have necessarily been a part of that class. So that's kind of how one way they could write him off into a happy ending without having him, you know, fall to Ben Solo. Uh, does that make sense? Well, if you... It, absolutely, and if you look at what they what they went through in, the, in that last trilogy, where they talked about that, it's an older Skywalker, it's an older Luke that that his students that happened with his students. So I mean, right. I think there's always wiggle room, and hell, it's it's TV. You can do anything you want. Sure. Uh, well, I don't I, think it's going to be the last we see of Grogu, uh, the Baby Yoda. I think we're we're going to see him again at some point because you have to go back and again hit those high notes and get a little bit of that. You're creating your own nostalgia with that character that's been a boondoggle for them for the last two years sure uh so they'll they'll go back and hit it again um other things happening in this episode uh mandalore now we got a little actually let me backtrack before i lead into that we've got a little bit of a retcon to discuss here okay um mandalorian makes it clear that one mandalorian can't just hand over the dark saber to another it's got to be earned in combat that's a little bit of a retcon from Rebels because Sabine handed over the light sa- the dark saber to Bo-Katan in in that, uh, so that she could become the leader and unite the people. So that's a you know that's a little bit of a of a twist, but that's where we are now. Okay, we're at now now that's the new rule, so we'll we'll go ahead and play by that. Going to be interesting to see how they rectify that. Um, you know, clearly she is not prepared to to take that from him on handout. She's not going to you know accept the whole I yield thing. They're going to have to square that somehow. Or the series could just him with, end with him on the throne of Mandalore. I mean, who who knows? But uh, what do you want to see out of that? You get, you got any inklings of what you, how would you write it? What it is that you as a fan would like to see? 
you know, what's to become a Mandalore? I think that the, you're, they're going to go back. That's going to be the next season we get into is is them working together. But you're also going to see that internal tension of her wanting to get the 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 dark saber back. Just all of that going through, and, and I think that that's going to be a great storyline. Uh, I think you'll the way that they write it, they're going to still have to do some of these one-off episodes. Uh, I really think that what you're going to see is that next step going through of just the Mandalore, just the, the Mandalorians pushing forward, trying to take back their, their home planet, bringing in more and, and trying to to figure out the Darksaber part of it. How, how are the, the, the two of them going to work together, live together, when he obviously does not want the thing, but obviously also isn't going to just lay down and, and you know take a whooping to, right. to give it over, and she's going to want it. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I will say one thing that I thought... I don't want to say it was it was weak, but um, but I was just kind of like, eh, all right, you know, I I get it. These are your bad guys. The dark troopers did not do much for me. Uh, Natalie loved them. Like my wife thought they were the coolest thing ever. I was just kind of like, eh, this reminds me of Iron Man two, uh, or or maybe it was three. I don't remember. Well, you got the drones, the armored drones flying around everywhere, and could have been know, four. And that's it. Could have been four. Who knows? Um, maybe, I don't know. maybe was, even five. They they kind of reminded me of like Iron Man meets the Terminator. I'm like, all right, yeah, super drones. I've I've we've seen these. They were cool looking. Don't get me wrong. They were very freaking cool looking. But uh, but I'm glad they didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to really juice up the the dark troopers as this massive threat. They rolled them out. Hey, they're badass looking. You know, they're obviously tough. Now we're done with them. Let's let's move along. I'm glad that didn't stick around any longer than it did. Um, something else that happened in this episode, and it was very subtle, but I love the potential for what it could mean moving forward. Can we just agree that Boba Fett is cooler now than he has ever been before? All right. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Seeing him in the show in and of itself was just a cool thing, but what they've done with him while he's been on has been awesome. And one thing that I took away from this particularly when you go back and you watch the post-credit scene, which, you know, obviously if you're listening to this, you've seen it. Hopefully. I love the fact that they have made him almost like a pariah to his own people. It was clear when he walked into the bar that the Mandalorians wanted nothing to do with him. You're not real. You're just a clone. You have no place here. You need to get out. Boba Fett's Boba Fett. He doesn't answer to anybody. And by way of the fact that he goes back to Jabba's palace in the post credit scene mows down the competition, sits down on the throne while his, his throne while a sidekick there has a has a glug off the jug. You know, you, you get the the tease that he's going to have something. We don't know if it's going to be a full-blown series or just a mini-series to lead into Mando Season 3. I love what they did with that character. The fact that he's like the ultimate Ronin now. Like, he's that samurai with no people and no cause. He just goes and does whatever it is that, frankly, he wants to do. And it's clear now that he's going to be a power player in kind of the underworld, taking over Jabba's, you know, Jabba's regime. I don't know, man. I just, I think it makes for some really cool stories. It's, it's Boba Fett with a Ronin storyline, and that's awesome. Well, when you, when you look at, at what they did, obviously coming out of the original trilogy, there wasn't a whole lot of backstory on him anyway. So they created a little in the prequels. You got to see kind of where he came from, but you still had a guy that you hadn't heard a whole lot from. So when you give them good writing, you give them good dialogue. I mean, what did we hear him say? Three words in the original trilogy? Something like uh, that, yeah. Two, two words? Yeah, it wasn't much. He's worth uh, more so to me dead. Get, 
Yeah. Yeah, so as, as you go through, I think he had like two minutes of screen time, but he's one of the most popular characters of all time in Star Wars. And you get the chance to build that story around him, and you have people, and this is the key part, and this is something that they need to keep with because this is the only thing that works. When you have people that tell good stories... You'll have people that want that, that talk good about it and, and actually want to watch what you have going on for something other than the fact that it just happens to be a Star Wars story and they want to see what happens with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wholly agree. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Book of Boba Fett looks like. I always thought Fett was cool, but admittedly, I never got the like almost cult-like following behind that character. I, I, I thought he was neat for the for reasons you just laid out, but he was never a guy that was, man, I need a Boba Fett movie. He's a bounty hunter. I mean, it's okay. That's that's his place. That's what he does. What they've done with him now, and some of that they derive from Clone Wars, obviously, because you get a younger Boba Fett then. Um, but you know what what they've done with him now, having Tamora Morrison back, it's just oh, I can't wait to see what they do with that. So, anywho, looking forward. Clearly, we've got the uh, the return to Mandalore in the works. I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. The dynamic between Din Djarin and Bo-Katan, who's going to lead, who's going to stand aside, that's there to look forward to. What's going to become a Baby Yoda? Um, you know, that's going to be fun to keep an eye on. You know, the, the continued resurrection of the Empire, that's clearly what's happening here. Um, you know, whether somebody's going to, you know, fully realize that uh, or whether this is just the lead-in to what will eventually become the First Order, I don't know. But I'm anxious to see how that's going to play out. And when you've got a guy fronting them like Giancarlo Esposito, I'm down like Charlie Brown. I'll watch it all day long. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think looking ahead into into Season 3 and beyond, you know, looking at some of the potential stories that they're going to unfold with uh, Knights, or not Knights, Rangers of the New Republic, and then Ahsoka Tano, it's been confirmed that both of those shows are going to be set at the same time as um as mandalorian so they will be able to coexist it's just an exciting time to be a star wars fan dude i'm so happy about that too Finally. because the yeah the sequel <laughs> trilogy just left me in such a bleh but um but they have circled the wagons with style man and it's um it's a thrill to watch i mean i i just i can't get over the luke skywalker reveal man i mean i just dude my favorite color is green because of that damn lightsaber. I kid you not. I, when I was a kid living in, you know, Podunk Mayo, Florida in, I guess it was 1984, 85, went to the toy store in uh, Oaks Mall in Gainesville, and they had the, the lightsabers in the little stand that you could buy. And this is long before you've got lightsabers that make noises and light up. Like, it's just a crappy plastic tube um, that had, like, a vent thing on the end. So it, like, makes noises with air flowing through it. That was how you got the noise. And then you had the hilt that was all tricked out with stickers and stuff to make it look like an actual lightsaber. I could not wait to buy a green one. Like, I couldn't wait. And I had that thing all the way through college until, like, an idiot, I sold it to a pawned it off to a freaking uh, comic shop there in Tallahassee for some extra cash. But, you know, I mean, I, I, green is my favorite color because of that lightsaber. And, you know, trivial as it is, one of the things that I hated about the sequel trilogy was you never really got to see it. Like, you got it in the one flashback with Ben Solo, and that was it. And he was carrying the, you know, the Vader-Anakin uh, saber the entire time. And, um, and I, ugh, I, I just, I've, I always thought that was a miss. And I finally got it again. So, like, I know I'm rambling here, man, but I just, I, it's fresh. <laughs> I just saw it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just geeking out over it, man. I, 
as a writer, as a fan, like I just couldn't be happier with what I got. I really couldn't. I'm smiling from ear to ear on the other side of this microphone, both for what I saw and for what is yet to come. And I can't say it any more succinctly than that. Uh, Best part of that so far has been, I mean, it's been well documented that uh, that Mark Hamill wasn't really happy with the uh, the last three movies and where they took his character. Uh, The best part of it, though, is uh, today on Twitter about four hours ago, so you're looking at about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time, the day that the Mandalorian came out. Right. Uh, One simple phrase from Mark Hamill on his Twitter account. Anybody see anything good on TV lately? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I would imagine he's probably smiling from ear to ear too. Um again, man, that's the Luke Skywalker we all wanted to see. You know, the hero. That's that's who Luke Skywalker is. And it's it's why Last Jedi was such a bitter pill to swallow for so many of us. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to relitigate that now. I'm just no, I'm happy no with I'm happy, happy with happy with what I got. <laughs> Again, my hat is off to Filoni and Favreau. You guys are the freaking men. Money, baby, your money. <laughs> so money you don't even know it. That's right, man. So, alrighty. Oh, one last thing I did want to mention. Nice, nice little scene there at the end with, uh, with Din Djarin and Baby Yoda. When he has them take off the helmet and they just kind of look at each other for a second. It's a freaking puppet, y'all. And you still sat there and were just like, that's so awesome. I love these guys. <laughs> so cool. Oh, we forgot the one cameo that really sold everything on that. What is that? R2-D2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if there was any doubt that was Luke Skywalker, then that was that was pretty well to tell. It's actually a lot of people are kind of theorizing that maybe that is not the first time that they've seen each other. Um, clearly, uh, Grogu and R2 were very happy to see one another. R2 really starts chirping out and whatnot. And you will remember that Ahsoka said he was rescued from the temple. Uh, Gurgu was. Somebody got him away from the temple when Order 66 was given. So fan theories are abounding right now that, that it was R2 that got him out. And so when they saw each other again, that's why you had that immediate recognition. So don't, that's all theory speculation at this point, but, um, but still fun to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Well, that was the thing for me. You know, they, they went through, they talked about, you know, testing his blood. And all we wanted was his blood. And you can have him, no problem. My assumption at that point when I saw Luke was that maybe this is a clone because he was wearing all black. Typically, that's not a good sign, although obviously it was from Return of the Jedi. Right. But it was wearing all black, going through. You just It was one of those deals where it's like, okay, is it a clone? Is it not? Is it something else? Is it something that's been created and trying to keep him through? And then when R2 popped, it was like, okay, well, that's definitely going to be him, right? That's that yep. that is our that's our crew. And I'm glad they went the uh, particularly if you're not gonna if you're never gonna see him again. If this was a one off deal, I'm really glad they did it the way that they did. You bring in a body double to do all of the work, and then you put the de-aged face on there, and and that's that. Um, that was cool. You know, it it really did bring everything full circle, and just it felt like Star Wars, man. And and that is really the biggest compliment I can give to it. So much of this stuff over the years, whether it's the sequel trilogy, particularly the sequel trilogy, you know, I've often likened the sequel trilogy to a, you know, a tribute band. All right. When you can't afford the hundred dollar tickets to go down to the arena to see, you know, ACDC or Led Zeppelin or whomever, uh, Metallica, pick your, pick your iconic rock band. You, you pay the eight bucks. And you go down to Lincoln Theater in Raleigh, and you catch Ride the Lightning. 
you know, and they're not the same. <laughs> they miss some notes and, you know, dude kind of sounds like Hetfield, not quite, but he's in the ballpark, but you know, you drink enough beers. It sounds cool. You think about better days and you're happy for your $8. That's kind of what I felt like with the sequel trilogy was there was, you know, particularly aesthetically, it looked a lot like star Wars and even Nick Maley agreed on that. They, they looked like star Wars films and that's, that's a credit to JJ Abrams particularly. But story-wise is where they really f- just fell kind of short. Like, it's just, it kind of feels familiar, but it, to the quad, it's just not quite to the standard that I'm accustomed to. Kind of felt like a tribute band. This is not. This feels like I went back to the arena and I caught the real damn show. And that makes me very happy. Absolutely. All righty. Well, on that note, guys, thanks as always for tuning in to the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. If you want to know more about us, you know where you can do it. We're online at dudesinhyperspace.com. Feel free to go there, check it out, buy some merch, maybe even become a sponsor. Uh, sponsor. Uh, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter via the Facebook group, so go check those out. And if you got questions for us, you know we love to hear from you guys at dudesinhyperspace at gmail.com. There's also a contact form there on the website if you just want to use that and knock it out. That comes to our mailbox, too. So... Um, you know, we say it after every show. If you love the show, go, uh, go rate it wherever you're at. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Phil let you leave five stars and a review. We really appreciate it. Thanks as always to our sponsors, IJMBooks.com, Character Charge Sci-Fi with a shot of rock and roll. Rumor has it those folks really know what they're doing for sci-fi books. So go check them out. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's pretty well all I got, man. So you guys, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's, Brother Daniels. I will be seeing you in about a week and a half, and we will talk about all this stuff live and in person. Yes, sir. And may the force be with you all. Amen to that. (laughs) Good night, everybody. See ya.